BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Do you have a water leak and can't find where it's coming from? Are you dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business? Then call Water Cleanup of Florida at 954-579-0356 for immediate assistance. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and their team is prepared to handle all types of leak detection issues. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. After the leak has been located and repaired, Water Cleanup of Florida will then clean, dry, and fully restore the damaged areas. Water Cleanup of Florida is fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There is no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle the entire project from start to finish. Service areas include Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone at 954-579-0356. That's 954-579-0356. Or visit their website at wcufl.com. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and this is Three Yards Per Carry. Of course, this is not another victorious edition since we're on a losing streak. We've lost two in a row. But Simon is here. Chris Kaufman is here. I'm here. And this show, is always, as always, is brought to you by Manscaped. Use promo code 5RSN. Get 20% off your entire order and prize picks. Use promo code 5FIVE. Deposit $100 and you get a $100 roll-up bonus, which means all you got to do is bet through it once, and they give you $100. They're essentially giving you $100. Take it. Use promo code FIVE. All right, guys. I know you guys didn't see much of the the second half of the Jet game. We're not going to talk too much about it, but I'll give you an entire synopsis of what happened. Uh, Right before the half, great uh, play-calling sequence. Uh, It ends basically right at the buzzer with a quarterback sneak by Durham Smythe on a great play by Skylar Thompson to act all confused and look to the sideline. And sure enough, Durham Smythe gets under center, gets the the sneak touchdown. We're in business. They get the ball back to start the second half, drive it right down the field. They stumble on third down. They kick a field goal. And all of a sudden it's a 10 point swing and they're in business. Once again, defense starts playing great. Starts getting after Zach Wilson. Uh, fourth quarter, nine minutes left. They line up uh, on third and what was it? It was second and 10. They throw a a little short slant to Tanner Connor, wide open, completely drops it. Next play, 
I kept thinking to myself, you know what? It might not be such a bad idea to just pump from here. But now, nah, you know, let's go get five yards and let's set up Jason Sanders for this 54-yard field goal. So they throw a, a little slant, a little bubble screen. Jalen Waddle breaks one tackle. He gets five yards. It's now a 54, 53-yard field goal. Jason Sanders completely fucks that up, misses it. Uh, they drive right down the field. They get what looks like a pick play, and they get a touchdown. Then Skylar Thompson decides, you know what? Now would be, be a good time to start turning it over, over and over and over again inside my own 20-yard line. How about if I turn it over at my own five-yard line and give them a three-play, five-yard drive for a touchdown? And then how about if I fumble at the 20-yard line, it gets returned to the 10-yard line, and then they get another touchdown, and that's how you lose by a billion points in the fourth quarter. The end. That was the game. <laughs> Impressed? I'm asleep. I think you've encapsulated why I didn't watch it. <laughs> well, with nine minutes left, Jason Sanders, look, uh, we got to talk about replacing this guy at the end of the season. He's terrible. Like, no, you know, no, don't, don't, don't be. No, he's not terrible. It's a 54 yard field goal at the Meadowlands. He's not terrible. He's two for 10 in his last 50 plus field goals. He's not terrible, mate. That's look around the league. The league is full of shitty kickers, right? I bet he's way below par on 50 yard field goals around the league. Yeah, and it's not even close. He, he he is a better than average kicker who missed a 54 yarder in a at the Meadowlands. I don't, you know, better I, than average at his price tag. Got... Get him the hell out of here at the season's end. Go get somebody else for cheaper. Well, I'm going to tell you that I'm not. I'm not about to. I'm not about to incrementally. I'm not about to incrementally make a conclusion on Jason Sanders based on a missed 54 yard field goal uh, in the Meadowlands. Are in in MetLife, MetLife, whatever the name of the stadium is now. Um, I watched I watched a kicker spoon a game winner in Arizona from forty one yards yesterday. I watched Chase. I watched Cade York spoon one wide when Cleveland could have won at the end of the game. I mean, there's a lot worse than you know the fact that we're living in the you know the Justin Tucker era is kind of unfortunate. But well, he's not human. Be careful what you for. I think when it comes to kickers. Well, I think um, I think it's a fair argument, though, to you know just be like, hey, you, you know, this guy is this guy is. At some point, you do have to look at the big picture with Jason Sa- Sanders and say, okay, but you are on like a five-year, twenty-two million dollar contract, which is a lot, and you know that that contract is not there for you to be two out of ten on the fifty plus, you know, or two of the last ten on fifty plus, you know, that's. I, I'm not incrementally going to, okay, you know, this 54-yarder, that did it. But at the same time, you know, you, you, you still keep an eye on that big picture. And, and he's not he's not, he's not performing. I, I, I think that's a, a fair statement. Something happened with him because do you know that he started his career 10 out of 11 from 50-plus? How is that possible? And now he can't Something make happening one. being reversion to the mean? I don't know. <laughs> I think something happening that there's something maybe his leg is weaker. There, there's something going on. Uh, now it's to the point where they just can't line up for 50 yard field goals. Like they're gonna have to go for it. It's fourth and one. Like it's gonna have to be a different thing. And you could see it on Mike McDaniel on the sideline when he missed that one. He looked at it and he goes, "Wow." And then afterwards he says, "Look, we have our we have faith in our field goal unit to hit long field goals. Maybe that's something we have to uh, reassess." I think they have to reassess it as in fourth and one, they're going to have to start going for it instead of kicking 52-yard field goals. 
Or they well, just have to get closer. If we're if we're sitting here and spending a bunch of time on the podcast arguing about the kicker, then a lot of things went wrong, and um and and, and that was they one did. of them. And that was they did go. A lot of things did go wrong, and I don't, you know, the kicker is just basically icing on on top of uh, the shit cake um, that we saw yes uh, during the game. So um, you know, I, I'm not inclined to really argue that much about the kicker other than you know uh, the only reason i'd even talk about him at all is just because he does have a significant contract but that's it McDaniel yeah and- has just said that um mcdaniel just said uh he's not thinking about any timeline for Tua's return he he says that Tua is not close to return to football activity uh he's evaluated every 12 to 24 hours he's in the dolphins team facility he's doing well but the main focus is getting him healthy uh, he says Bridgewood has had no concussion symptoms yesterday or today, but he's being treated as if he has a concussion, and thus he's in concussion protocol. Uh, Dolphin players and coaches have noted Bridgewater has been in the building and appearing fine, but Tua is not ready to return to football activity. I suspect he's not playing this weekend either. Huh. So are they essentially admitting that he had two two concussions then? No, I, I don't see that's the case. I assume the I just assume being slammed into the ground by a three hundred and twenty pound Samoan head first is probably gonna put you, you know, on the back burner for a couple of weeks. I mean, Stephen Carter has been out for yeah. how long and that was just the one concussion, you know? Yeah, and he's gone back to he's back on IR. I, I mean he I wouldn't surprise me if he was out for the season. Teron Armstead is back in South Florida, said the visit with the specialist went well. He says he'll do whatever he can do to play Sunday. Says McDaniel oh. says I trust him as much as I've ever trusted any player. Said he'll do whatever he can to play Sunday. And Austin Jackson hopes to return to practice this week in a limited role. But I would suspect very much that Tua is not playing at the weekend. Hmm. Hmm. That's unfortunate. <laughs> I would say so. Uh, I would say so, especially since they keep saying that he's passing all his tests. You know? He hasn't taken a single step yet to do any work on or off the football field. He remains firmly in concussion protocol. Is the quote? Is is the then the follow up question with the follow up quote? Well, but but on field activity is. Like there's 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 five steps with a lot of time in between each steps, and on field activity is basically only step four, right? Yeah. I mean, that's I mean, what's off. What what step is off field activity? Like two. I mean, they they basically they no. I, I, I'm reading about it. Like, um, you know, they they don't they don't even allow the guy like in the building and uh, in, in step one or something like that. Um, I mean, the good thing is that it feels like Teddy is fine and will start on Sunday against the team that drafted him in the first round. Well, but, but can, I mean, can they get through all of the steps? I, I guess within since the, since through all the steps, since right? the two, by the yeah. way, I, I saw something that Peter King was talking about, or no, actually it was Mike Florio since the, the two injury, Every single diagnosed concussion has not led to a player returning. But on Teddy's case, I guess he doesn't have a concussion, but some 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 guy with binoculars said he did. And so, that's how he was taken out of the game. So that's McDaniel what I want to talk said, about. So McDaniel says, I didn't see Teddy stumble, but rules are the rules. He says the earliest Teddy will be able to return to the practice in a limited non-contact capacity is Thursday. Yeah, in a perfect that's world step where, four. Yeah, in a perfect world where there's absolutely no setbacks with anything, 
the soonest would be Thursday. I'm not worried about the things I can't control. Because step one, step one is rest and recovery, right? And, and and then step two is is light aerobic activities. Step three is more aerobic activity exercise with strength training um, as well. And step four is actual football activities, but on a limited basis, a very limited basis. And then step five is full football activity. Um, and each each step along the way, they have to, you know, they have to conduct a number of tests and, and give a number of an amount of time in between each step um, to to, you know, remeasure, I guess, or re, retake tests and, and whatnot. Um, so it, it, it takes a while to get through these steps. And that's that's I think what he's talking about with Teddy Bridgewater is because football specific activities not even full ones, just, just a little bit, but not even until step four. And there have to be like a full day in between each step, you know, that he can't get on the field until Thursday at all, you know, yeah. and then, and even then in a limited way. Um, yeah, he says, so he's just followed that up by saying there are way too many hypotheticals to say whether Teddy can play Sunday mm -hmm. as it stands. Skyler is preparing, will prepare to start the game on Sunday. But then that's you'd understand him, you'd expect him to say that anyway, regardless, of right? That. Right, mm -hmm. and Reed Sinnett, I guess, will be activated because he was on the on the bench, he wasn't in uniform, but he was he was the clipboard guy, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm just watching that. So, WS, WSVN7 Sports have just released a video of Teddy Stumbling. I don't know if you've seen it, but. I certainly don't see him. I've seen, I've seen it, and yeah. I, I don't I don't know if it's a video of Teddy stumbling because there's honestly, and I'm I'm being very honest here. I I can't see anything that constitutes that that definition. You know, I definitely can't see a stumble here. But well, he obviously hurt his elbow because he shakes off his elbow, and then mm -hmm. he, he gives he the thumbs up three times. Then he gives a thumbs up. Yeah, because like, he hurt his elbow several times. There is definitely no stumble. I mean, that well, is... and that's and that's, I guess, the the thing that we have to talk about because you know, I think we did our last podcast before they uh, before the investigative findings came or released. The <laughs> then he what? Then he runs off the field. Yeah, I know Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, they told him yeah. to get off the field, and he and, he and there's says, more. Uh, there's more video, by the way. There's video of of the NFL guy going to grab. Um going to grab teddy and teddy looks at him like what <laughs> like, yeah. what are you doing and the guy goes no you got to come with me it looked like it looked like he was he was arresting course, him on the sideline it's the and most of course that confusion will be used against him <laughs> yeah. um, just like confused of... like why are you why are you dragging me off the field um, is byron jones uh still not ready to even practice this week mm -hmm. um as for howard we are happy where he was at today We'll see if he's ready to go on Sunday. Durham Smythe also injured with a hamstring. But yeah, the, the, the Durham Smythe one through. is the one that uh, I think that there's real concern with. Uh, you know, X should be back soon. Uh, Byron Jones, uh, I've talked about this on OnlyFriends. I guess I revealed it here. Um, he needs to pass some some physical tests before he could start practicing, and that has not happened. And to say that he's overdue is an understatement. Okay, because we've heard all the statements that Mike McDaniel has been saying since August. <laughs> okay, yeah. it, it, you know, we are in October. Okay, it's October 10th. If he hasn't returned to practice this week, we can move the calendar forward to October 16th. We're talking about 
damn near almost three months of this. Okay. Well, it feels it feels like um, it feels like we're getting actually just close to shutting him down for the whole year, um, because you know there's there's only there's only so as you say uh, this is overdue, and mm-hmm. there's only so much the players are really allowed to to be overdue before the team just ends up shutting them down, and um, for the for the year, and I think that that has to be that has to start being on the table or have to start being considered at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But I want to talk a little bit more about this. Uh, I had no idea that that's how this worked. I thought that the spotters, I always knew that there were spotters. Okay. But I thought the spotters would call down to the teams and the team doctors and tell them, Hey, check this guy out. Uh, he was grimacing. He was holding his head. Um, you know, he has a weird limp. Can you check him out for me, please? I thought that's well, how it worked. That that was how it worked, um, and but I think that the and this is important because we didn't we didn't get a chance to go over the new uh, the new rules the new protocols um, on the last episode. We were just uh, kind of going back and forth arguing about it before the uh, findings are even are even out. Um, but I think that uh, the change it's interesting the change that they made. Uh, it seemed like the investigative findings were sort of uh, uh, con- concessions on both sides. Like, uh, we'll get the NFLPA to agree that the Miami Dolphins followed the letter of the law if, uh, if, if the NFLPA can get the NFL to agree to a statement saying that the outcome of what happened into a situation did not follow the spirit of the, the law, the spirit of the rules as they originally set them up. Um, there, there are concessions on both sides, clear disagreement between NFL and NFLPA. NFLPA seemed very, still seemed very, uh, upset about, um, the entire thing. And, uh, and, and so they come up with a new set of protocols and the new set of protocols in this case, uh, were to remove the language of gross motor instability, which necessitated, a subjective call from the team doctors or the lead physician and the, uh, the unaffiliated neurotrauma um, uh, consultant, uh, they, they would have to, under the old language with gross motor instability, they would, if, if it was seen, they would have to medically diagnose and attribute it uh, specifically to a concussion, or if they were to able to um, attribute it to something that was not a concussion, then the player is no longer in the, you know, no-go territory or, uh, you know, the automatic shutdown territory of concussion protocol. Um, and so they, the NFL decided to take that language out, replace it with a, ataxia, um, which meant in this case that if loss of balance uh, of any sort is noticed or spotted you know by the spotters after a play where it looks like his head could have been hit um then it is automatically assumed to be concussion related it is automatically assumed to be neurological and the player is automatically out so what's you know in their rush in my opinion uh, you know looking at what happened this weekend and the overall you know, even just one week's results from this new set of rules, what's happened is they have taken medical judgment out of the hands of the actual doctors 
of the actual physicians and instead put that judgment, subjective judgment, into the hands of nameless you know, spotters who are by, you know, the, the definition of them or the uh, explanation of the spotters is they are local, local as in somebody from New Jersey, somebody from New, New York, local certified athletic trainers, not doctors, certified athletic trainers who uh, watch, you know, watch the game. And usually their role had just been to, as, as Alpha, as you described, I think, to, to call down and alert the doctors about something that they might not have seen. But in this case now, that important, they have their finger on the nuclear button, essentially, mm-hmm. these spotters. And it used to be that the judgment would be that, you know, the, the, the nuclear button, the nuclear football would belong to the actual physicians. Um, but this new policy has, and I wonder if they knew that that would be the case, uh, that they've taken that subjective judgment out of the hands of actual doctors and put it in the hands of somebody who's qualifications we don't know and who has very little oversight very little there's there's no checks and balances there with the spotter i believe it was one spotter that that claimed that he saw a stumble with teddy bridgewater and uh and then he's out period you know and so it's it's it, it is it is it does not seem it does not seem right to me i don't know what you think about it but it does well, not seem right it's going to be up to the to the media to make uh, the local media because the national media doesn't give a fuck but the it's going to be the, the local media is going to have to make a big enough stink that it makes it to mike florio's show and makes it onto nfl live and makes it onto nfl network but we shall see uh they didn't pay too much attention to it mike florio did a segment on it and he said uh, he gave props to the spotter for for spotting uh, Teddy stumbling around and you know after a concussion concussion that he did not have. Uh, we're gonna go to break right now, and this word from Liquid Death. Uh, you're gonna hear it now in in a few seconds. But when we come back, we're gonna talk about the NFL trade market, which is about to pick up. Let me tell you about Liquid Death. Uh, you've seen those uh, those little tall boy cans, right? They they look like beer cans. They have a really great logo that says Liquid Death. Well, it's it's not beer. It's not an alcoholic beverage. It's actually mountain spring water from the Alps. My favorite flavor is Bury It Alive. Okay? It's absolutely delicious. It's unlike some of those other waters you, you've tried out there, those flavored waters. They're not as good. They just really aren't. They, don't, they just don't taste good. These are not only refreshing, but they're cold. And especially since it's in a can, you put it in a, in a cooler with ice. Something I like to do is, uh, you know, I'll put one liquid death can for every six beers in the cooler you know just to break it up a little bit so yeah liquid death it kills your thirst and infinitely recyclable cans are environmentally friendly liquid death also donates 10 percent of the profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution go get liquid death at your local Publix, the fresh market or whole foods market or find a liquid death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash three. That's T-H-R-E-E. That's our dedicated website, by the way. Follow Liquid Death on social media, on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and Twitter. Use the hashtags, hashtag MurderYourThirst and hashtag DeathToPlastic. Liquid Death. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. 
Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the hotter, juicier, classic burgers. Hamburglar, the time is yours. Rubble, rubble. He said, these are McDonald's best burgers ever. And then, can I keep them? And then he just grabbed them and ran away. Rubble. Now get a Big Mac or double cheeseburger for two bucks in the app. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Must opt into rewards. Visit McD app for details. Available at most restaurants in this area. Comparison of McDonald's classic burgers to prior burgers. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And we're back. All right, Simon. I'm going to go to you on this. The Matt Rule has been fired. And it's been made clear that teams are now calling for their assets. Anything you're interested from on Carolina? Because it seems like everybody wants to pick the bones now of the Carolina Panthers. I don't know why they would trade any of these younger players. I do know why they would trade a running back. But is there anything on that team? that you would want? Because the rumor is that they're making Derek Brown and Brian Burns available. I mean, I, I don't believe that for a single second. Why would David Tepper do that? It um, makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't believe that. Uh, the The report that's, that came out earlier on about from Christian McCaffrey has been A, denied by Buffalo, B, denied by Carolina, C, Tom Pelissaro has just tweeted out that it's absolute nonsense. So, I mean, I don't just because they fired the head coach doesn't mean to say they're just going to get rid of all their players. I mean, that makes no sense at all. So, uh, especially in a draft class that's that looked like it was going to be fantastic and now looks like it's going to be absolutely terrible. Um, I mean, what what are you giving away good early first-round picks for? Um, it makes no sense to me. So, so no, I don't think there'll be a fire sale in, um, in Carolina. Can I play devil's advocate on this one uh, with, with respect, just with respect to one guy? Because mm. I, I truly... First off, I it is not outlandish. It is not unbelievable to me that Christian McCaffrey would be available, right, um, to me. I, I don't know if the Buffalo Bills are actually interested, but as far as Carolina is concerned, it, it wouldn't be surprising at all. Um, the name I keep hearing is J.C. Horn, and, and I do not see that. I just I, I have no idea why that would be the case. He's also um, injured. He hurt his hip yesterday, and so yeah. I mean, it's and there's a lot of reasons. And he's, playing, <laughs> and he's playing really well. So yeah, yeah. There's a lot of reasons that does not make sense. But but I'll take devil's advocate on Brian Burns only in as much as you know Burns is um is the sort of uh, sort of I guess I, I'm not going to call him a one trick pony, but I, he's the sort of you know lopsided um, pass rusher that some coaches are okay with and other coaches are not okay with. Um, and he's also enough into his time. Uh, I don't believe he has that big contract yet. Does he? Um, no. he, he does not. And, and so he's, he is, yeah, he's, he is on the verge of not, not being like needing to be paid a, a whole lot of money in order to be kept. Um, and so that's the kind of player that, yeah, you, you could actually see them move a team move, um, you know, depending on where they are. And obviously they're, they're not, they're not trying to win anything this year. It's too late. Um, so that one I could see Christian McCaffrey, I could see, um, 
but you know, JC Horn and, and a lot of the other names that people are talking about, I'm not sure I would actually see that. Yeah. Uh, on Brian Burns, uh, they're going to pick up the, if they pick up the fifth, the fifth year option, it's for $16 million for 2023. And then he becomes an unrestricted free agent in 2024. So it stands to reason if they're going to cut bait with him, now's the time. Like it will make perfect sense. Just been a first round, right? You just put a first round pick on Jalen Phillips, and you've just paid Emmanuel Logba massively. Oh, I wouldn't um, be interested in him as Miami. Yeah, I don't no. think he makes sense for Miami. It's just too many people are there already. I mean, you know? and besides, care. what are you going to do with him? Like, I, like a lot of our a lot of our listeners have been at, have been asking. You know, hey, Brian Burns makes a little sense. I'm like, like for what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you've got you've got pretty massive contracts coming up down the road potentially for Christian Wilkins mm-hmm. you've got a quarterback who will either need a new contract or you know you, you you sign a Lamar Jackson or whatever in terms of um you know in two years time when he if he doesn't sign a new contract in Baltimore and they don't tag him or they, they obviously tag him next year if they don't sign him but why would you spend a load of money on a pass rusher when you've already got a load of money invested in or and high draft capital in, in pass rushers it makes no sense yeah, and if you read between the, the the lines, it looks like Brian Burns is going to get more than what Emmanuel Ogba got, and yeah. he, he just doesn't fit. Like it makes no sense. Like he'll be somebody else's problem, or Carolina will have to you know come to terms and maybe even give him that money, because or maybe he just he's one of these guys that's going to float around the, the the league and making ten million dollars a year, like some of these guys like like JPP did for four or five years toward the end of his, like if, if his Carolina career. are going to hire D'Amico Ryan's or or you know chain striking or whoever it's going to be but the, the tell me what the appeal is in oh by the way we're going to get rid of your best pass rusher your best internal defensive tackle your best running back do you know what i mean well and, uh, and I mean, to do it before the guy even is it, even yeah, on board I mean, mm-hmm. talk about narrowing the fit you know if i'm D'Amico ryan's i'm staying with the best defense in the nfl and that you know that's yeah so that that makes absolutely no sense yeah now and staying with this theme uh, before we we go away and we talk uh, about we talk about this game on Thursday, and we you know we break up this podcast until Thursday. Uh, anything you would trade on the Dolphins right now, Simon? Uh, anything you're looking to any move? Players I trade. Yeah, uh, I can name one, and maybe. then we can move on and to to yours. But mine would be Cedric Wilson. Uh, Simon, why is he Simon, here? Simon, I think he's trying to bait you there. Yes, I am. <laughs> is this about Gasicki? I mean, yes, yes, Mike Gasicki. I mean, I, I'd imagine they'll probably get calls for him, but you know, he's not doing anything in the offense. I mean, I knew he wouldn't do anything in the offense. I mean, you don't have to watch the offense and know that he's not going to do anything in the offense. And you know, the reasons why he, people say, "Why don't you throw to Gasicki?" Well, you know, well, historically, he's never really managed to get separation. You go back and look at his mm-hmm. catches; the majority are contested catches. This is not a knock on Mike Gesicki. He's been an excellent player for the Dolphins, but let's be real. The, the next time he breaks a tackle will be the first time. You never see him running. Literally, literally, by the way. I, mean, I, I think he has two broken like tackles that. in his career. <laughs> his yards after catch average must be like 0.1 yard. Um, so, it's actually yeah, around there, by the way. <laughs> and it's a massive, it's becoming a massive issue for this offense now that he, you know, that he doesn't block. So, uh, especially with, you know, the five. Five seven forty Durham Spies potentially being out as well. So Hunt Hunter Long is about as much used as a chocolate fire guard at the moment. Um, so <laughs> yes, and, yeah, we got to get no hands. 
Yeah, I completely agree with you 1000% on the player. Uh, in my opinion, I think this is this is it. Like, this is his last season here. But oh, I do think this is last season. It's just whether or not it's his last, you know, the weekend is his last game or whenever. The, I don't even know when the deadline is, but it's uh, three weeks from now. Oh, so... well, fucking hell. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like this is obviously his last though. season here. But my contention is this. If you watch him on film, he's drawing coverages. And these other guys just don't. And after that drop on second and 10 by Tanner Connor, I don't want to hear his name mentioned again. Uh, that was the best pass that Skylar Thompson threw the entire game. And it hit him r- right between the hands, right right there for Tanner Connor. And not only does he drop it, but then he falls on his face. And he could have ran for like 20 yards on that one. He could have gotten, gotten us down to the 12-yard line down by two points which is a good thing, last I checked. With nine minutes left in the game, of course he drops it. Uh, they have nobody else on this team that draws any kind of coverage in line in 11 personnel or even in the slot in 12 personnel, which they really do now. Well, uh, but I think what you expand upon that is it's just not just – we're not just talking about the other tight ends. We're talking yeah. about the third wide receiver. Yeah. Um, in the, in this case, uh, you know, they, I think Cedric Wilson, uh, though he's been fighting injury and it's hard to, to make a lot and draw a lot of conclusions from that, but he's been, you know, quietly, um, a, a disappointment. Uh, and I think that, you know, there's I found another he, theme. I not, I hate to, inter- sorry to interrupt you, but I found another theme from this game uh, on Sunday was the disappointing big drops. Uh, Cedric Wilson had. That was another pretty good pass by Skylar Thompson. Dropped a 25-yarder on third and nine. Uh, He basically just dropped it. He elevated, doing what he's supposed to do. Got both hands on it, double clutched, and then just dropped it on the floor. You know? Yeah, I mean, there's clearly been some disappointment there. Um, Trent Sherfield has, at this point, I think we can say that Sherfield has definitely leapfrogged him on the uh on the the wide receiver depth chart and it's, it's very possible that um that river craycraft has a, as well or, or at, they are at the very least um you know a, a similar place on the uh on the wide receiver depth chart as maybe tied for number four um and so or number four at the wide receiver spot and uh, all of the above, all of the above are, are none of them draw coverages the way Mike Gesicki does. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to give a full throated defense of Mike Gesicki because it's clear that the blocking is not necessarily coming along. Um, <laughs> that's the way to put it. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that that's um, uh, that's one thing. Uh, that's one thing to keep in mind. But uh, on the other hand, it's also clear that. The Mike Gesicki personnel, I mean, maybe before this game, which I don't know how much you really even want to consider this game because it was all Skylar Thompson. It was all a seventh-round rookie, you know, who um, could have been undrafted uh, playing in his first game ever. But um, our most productive personnel groupings uh, you know, have been Mike Gesicki's uh, personnel groupings out of 11 personnel um, with three wide receivers on the field. He draws coverage. Uh, and, and I think that that's, so you'd say, well, you don't need to pay $12 million, whatever it is to a guy just to draw the coverage, not to actually catch the ball. Um, and that's 
valid. But uh, the question is, you know, if you're putting Tanner Connor in the same position as Gesicki, um, hoping that he's drawing coverage just because he's fast, but then, you know, you see him on tape have drops like he had uh, in this game and disappointment, um, then then you are losing something there. Then you are losing something if, if the defense doesn't respect him the way that the defenses clearly respect Mike Gusicki as a receiver. Um, and, and we're talking, I mean, it's, it's very lopsided as far as the, the Dolphins personnel grouping uh, production in the passing game, which personnel groupings are, produ- are producing and which are not. And so I think that um, that's why Gasicki is still out there. It's a long season unless he's about to be traded, which I really don't think is true. Um, he's going to have what, like uh, we're, we're talking about 12 more games. Uh, to make this uh, to make this judgment call uh, about whether he's going to be here or not, and I, I don't know the the point of making that judgment call now when there's still going to be 12 more games uh, to see what happens. But um, you know, it's clear that he's not producing, but he is also drawing coverage, and he's drawing coverage away from guys who are producing, and so it's 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 an unclear, you know, situation to me. It's not it's not it's it's definitely not you know. It's, it's not easily readable. Mm-hmm. All right. On the way out here, uh, we since this show has been all negative, we'll finish with one single positive thing. Um, this team kind of found its running game. And Simon, I don't know how much you saw. I know you didn't see the second half. But, man, the, the Jets, even the announcers at one point were saying the Jets are playing with fire with the, the blatant disrespect they're showing Skylar Thompson. And I kept thinking to myself, no, they're not. <laughs> Okay, Skylar Thompson. By the way, uh, I want to see the Skylar Thompson underthrow videos because there was like four of them. But that was a great play, though. That that was our best play on Sunday was just throw it as far as you can to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and get forty yard penalties because they got three of them. So so that's pretty good. But they did kind of find their running game. Raheem Mostert most effective. Chase Edmonds still dropping passes. I guess that's the positive you take from this, that maybe they got something going, especially against the Jets that were playing eight and nine-man fronts to stop it, and they just couldn't. Yeah, Chase has been massively disappointing. I thought that, you know, the fact they played uh, uh, a street-free agent, practice squad, right tackle, a left tackle, and didn't look, you know, certainly in the run game, didn't look uh, overmanned, overmatched, I thought was, was pretty heartening. I mentioned it last week, but... Um, you know, people talk about the, that Shanahan running game needing two years for players to develop. I, I think there's been times this season, both against Buffalo and against Cincinnati, where it's looked like Raheem Mostert was about to break massive runs, and especially between the A and B gaps, um, break massive runs and has just been brought down. Matt Milano made a couple of, like, you know, what I felt like were touchdown-saving tackles. So I thought Mostert, in the runs that I saw, was running hard, he's running fast, he gets to the edge so quickly... You know, and if he can break those second level tackles, then you know there's there are further big games ahead of him. Chase Edmonds to me has been a huge disappointment. Um, you know, and when he's not, you know, when he's not dropping balls, <laughs> I, I don't understand what his contribution Which is because he's thing. not really helping much in the running game. Um, he dropped um, the touchdown. He, he is at least a good blocker, right? Yes, he's a good blocker, but you know, I mean, thank God we've got at least one of those at the. Uh, you know. and, but Raheem Mostert is not bad at that in that in yeah. that role. Mostert is a good player. Think, Mostert is a good player if he can stay healthy. And, and by the way, he appears, he appears those to totals, be in four. Uh, uh, Chris, you could close this out here. But uh, in those totals, people forget there was a 32-yard run callback. 
So he could have had a one, one of those 150 yard days easily. And yeah, there, there was a hold by the way on that play, Greg little. Well, I, I think that from the start, um, from the very first times that we saw him out there, even in training camp and they were bragging about how, you know, the, how the, the maximum speed he reached on, on this big play in training camp was, you know, up, up there with, up there with Tyreek Hill up there with, you know, it, like he'd, he'd gotten his speed back. Um, I think that what we've been seeing uh, is that he is, you know, he is in form. He is in Raheem Mostert form, uh, which is, which is very encouraging. Uh, I think before the season, you know, I had been I had been forecasting anyway that that he would be RB one for this team, and it's just a it's just out of deference for the um, for how hard it is to to learn this this scheme, this system. The guy you would actually be a little bit worried about before the season started, to me anyway, was Chase Edmonds, and that's just because of um, of his lack of experience in the system. You know, to me, when you get veterans that made their way on other teams in other systems and then you bring them into another team, a different team and a completely new system, that is such a roll of the dice. It's as much a roll of the dice as the draft um, and in, in free agency. You know, everybody wants to think that you're getting a proven veteran, but that that is not the case. Uh, so Chase Edmonds would have been the guy that you'd be a little bit worried about, whereas Raheem Mostert clearly has the experience in the system uh, if he's healthy. But you know, the guy that I keep saying, I kept saying to watch out for, and I continue to say watch out for, is the practice squad players of Quandre White, uh, who they got as an undrafted free agent. I know that they were pretty excited about him before, and this uh, this system has a history, a very strong, um, well established history, really of putting up of putting up late round rookie running running backs and and getting very strong contributions from them uh production wise yardage you know touchdowns etc opportunities um and so at some point that kid with the young legs and who hasn't learned any other nfl systems aside from this system um you know, you might see him later in the season start to leapfrog, start to come up above guys like Savon Ahmed or Miles Gaskin, or even Chase Edmonds, and start to um, start to get more opportunities. Especially since, you know, he's he's the only guy on the roster at this point that you trust in short yardage um, as a running back. Uh, aside, from, you know, we're we're not talking about um, you know we're not talking about like a fullback, an up back give. But, um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd still watch out for him. But I, clearly RB1 is Raheem Mostert. And, and I think Outlook looks pretty good as long as he stays healthy. Um, the, he, start, he is definitely feeling it. And, uh, and I think the offensive line is just little by little going to get better at it. So we'll see. Yeah, it was just a, it was a little stunning to, to see how uh, two weapons like Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill could become so useless all of a sudden. But, you know, there we are. I guess quarterbacks matter, right? Right, Chris? Who knew? Who knew quarterbacks Who matter? knew I that mean, quarterbacks is, matter? And, you know, and this is a, we went this from, is a delusion. We went, this is a delusion check for us, right? Yeah. We went we went from a high-flying offense to people on Twitter and me agreeing with them. You know what? Play Cedric Wilson, a quarterback, and let's just run the Wildcat the rest of the game. You know, and, and I think it's notable the way that things really deteriorated for um, or seemed to deteriorate for uh, for Skylar Thompson as the game went on, because when he when he first started playing, 
you know, at first it was like, you know, he kind of looks like the scholar Thompson that we saw in the preseason. Yeah. Um, and I think you brought up the point uh, on, on OnlyFans about the number of plays, the sheer number of plays that these guys can be uh, in charge of running that they can have in their bag. Yeah, th- there was um, a visual which, man, if anybody has that, anybody has that video, send it to me. Send it to the three yards per carry account of on the sideline, Mike McDaniel and Skylar Thompson going over his wristband thing and throwing out cards. I don't know if you saw that part. Oh man, yeah. I mean, basically, <laughs> and that's what it is. And that's and so you know, if you're talking about if you're talking about a Tua Tagovailoa having you know um, dozens and dozens of plays at at his disposal in the um, in the game plan. And Teddy Bridgewater probably, you know, as his backup, probably having maybe 80% of that, right? Um, because he's the primary backup and also a veteran. Uh, then you, now you've got Skylar Thompson coming in all of a sudden, and he's got probably, he's probably in charge of half of what Teddy Bridgewater was. Um, as far as number of plays and, and you start to see it, it, it break down. And I think it has to be because at least in part, because the defense is seeing the things that he's running and mm-hmm. there aren't very many things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, know, was, so. it was, it, it was odd to have such a competitive and like, it was an actual NFL football game until nine minutes left. Then all of a sudden we went, you know what, let's be completely incompetent. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I think that um, you know, in some sense, you could say they ran out of plays, maybe. Um, but <laughs> maybe. I, but I think that uh, I think that that's that was interesting how it goes, and but that's the reason that you don't put seventh round rookies out there in their first game. Um, I think that uh, you know that the, these guys need to come along before for Skylar Thompson for us to for our delusions of grandeur about Skylar Thompson, you know, for, from the preseason that he had um, the same way we had delusions of grandeur about Reed Sinet. Yeah. Uh, for those to come true, he's got to be able to get a grasp on a full, a full game plan worth of plays. You know, we're talking 50, 16 upwards plays. Um, and I don't think that that's even close to having happened yet. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was bad. Uh, well, that's it for this week. We will talk Vikings, Dolphins on Thursday with whoever at quarterback. I don't know who the hell's going to play quarterback. Edric Wilson, maybe. Uh, Reed Sinet. Reed Sinet. <laughs> Can Cedric, we trade for uh, Bailey Reed Zappi? Sinet, Reed Sinet or Cedric Wilson. You know, Cedric Wilson throws a mean ball. It's, yeah. it's all over the highlights. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Maybe we could trade for Bailey Zappi, and he could be throwing those balloon balls that he keeps throwing for completed touchdowns. I don't know. Yeah, how I like I like Bailey Zappi. I, I, I trade. You told him. me he had a decent arm. Uh, when is when are we going to see that? I don't know. I don't think I don't think he. Uh, I don't think they like uh, throwing throwing hot hot footballs in uh, New England because Mac Jones doesn't really do it either. Yeah, everything's touch and, you know. But, hey, you know, New England's all fired up over Bailey Zappi. So they got a quarterback yeah. controversy now. You know? nah, um, well, maybe. You, you want me to be honest with you? Bailey Zappi looks all right. He does. <laughs> I'm rooting for Mike Jones to, to reestablish himself here. Maybe we'll trade. You know, could we trade for a quarterback? We talked about trading, right? Look, if, if, th- if this continues, you know, like, you know, if, if – Teddy is like there's a serious issue with Teddy. They mm-hmm. uh, you know, and he can't play. You know, like let's say, you know, he has to go on IR. If he has to go on IR, you might as well just shelve him for the entire year, really, and mm-hmm. go trade for a guy. And I don't yeah. know who the hell who the hell are you gonna trade L- for him? Luckily, I don't think there is a 
you know, a big issue with Teddy. I think that the whole spotter and, you know, the, the quote unquote stumble, I don't think that really happened at all um, based on video evidence. I don't think it happened at all. I questioned the motivations of the spotter in question who, um, who, who pulled the trigger on that. Um, it was one guy. I don't like that. I don't like that as far as protocol is concerned. You know, that one guy has, has, you know, such power like that. Some local, local certified athletic trainer, uh, can hit the nuclear button and then just, uh, just totally ruin, um, Teddy Bridgewater's start as well as, uh, the Miami Dolphins chances of winning that game. And, um, and I think that he's pissed. I mean, I've, I've heard this, that, you know, he's, he's pissed. He's not, he's, he is not, nor has he ever exhibited any signs of concussion. Um, and so I, I would figure that he's going to start uh, on in the Minnesota game, but, um, but he, he has not been a, a pinnacle of health in his career. No, you know, as not. you have pointed out. Yes. And so <laughs> I'm not going to uh, say it again uh, on Thursday, yeah, not, not, although now it's it the truth. Well, right? you might've jinxed him. I don't know, but, um, but well, now I, he's two for know, two. His or maybe that two spotter starts. was, maybe that spotter was listening to our podcast and it was like, you know, Teddy, Teddy plays, he gets a concussion. That's just what happens. Um, so, you know, I think that, uh, the dolphins have to actually be, don't you think they have to be looking on the trade market for somebody with experience in this system? You know? Yeah. I mean, San Francisco's not trading Jimmy G now. (laughs) obviously, (laughs) Obviously not Jimmy G, but, um, and, and sure enough, they got their, their main quarter quarterback is on uh, IR right now. So what is CJ Beathard doing at, at this moment? <laughs> well, uh, I don't know where he is. He's not in he's not in San Francisco. They got Brock Purdy behind um you know behind uh what's his name Jimmy G. How many obscure uh, San Francisco quarterbacks can you name? Obscure ones. <laughs> uh, where's Where's Mullen? Nick Mullen, he actually got traded. I think he's uh he's uh I think he's with Carolina. Is he with? Oh well, there's there's your fire sale right there. <laughs> <laughs> like that's yeah. a guy I want here. Um, I'd start. But, I'd, but I'd start Nick Mullen on Sunday if I could. We were we were. I mean, so I, I'm I'm sorry. We're prolonging this uh the the end of this uh this podcast. But but consider this. We hear all the time about how quarterbacks are protected, they're protected, they're protected. Well, I keep seeing Miami quarterbacks take very take vicious hits. Um, you know, Tua Tungabailo was taking some vicious hits. Obviously, that's how he got concussed. Teddy Bridgewater takes a vicious blow on the very first hit of the game. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Skylar Thompson took a, a number of of hits that looked looked pretty. You know. How close were we to actually having to play the game with Cedric Wilson as the as the quarterback? We were very close, mm. you know, and um, and that has to scare the the hell out of the Miami Dolphins, uh, who just picked up Reed Sinet, uh as as a quarterback. Even though Reed Sinet, you know, he was here last year. He's he wasn't in this up this offense. He wasn't in this system, you know. So he's not he's not necessarily the system guy. Um, so at this point. The Dolphins have to be looking on the market. They have to be talking to to somebody about, um, you know, about Nick Mullins or uh, or CJ Beathard uh, to to try and you know before the trade deadline to take care of this problem because they don't know they don't know they they may have a good feeling about Teddy Bridgewater playing next week, but 
the next hit that Teddy Bridgewater takes, you know, the next hit that Tua Tungvaloa takes. I don't know. They they've got to have a lot of a lot of anxiety now, and um, and so I wouldn't. I'd watch that market. I'd watch anybody. I'd watch any quarterback that was in that San Francisco system already with Mike McDaniel. I would. Yeah. Uh, all right. We got to end it right here. But I will say this, and I'll close with this. Uh, Keith from OnlyFans. I'm not going to put all his business out there, but with every single Cooper Rush win, he gets a little tingling feeling. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, how does that end, by the way? Uh, just on the way out, on uh, as an aside, Cooper Rush it doesn't know what it, what it's like to lose games in the NFL. Like it's just not a thing. He, he like losing. Like what's that? Okay. He beats the Eagles on Sunday. Like Jesus Christ, like they're trading Dak Prescott, aren't they? <laughs> maybe he is. Maybe he is. Um, I, I yeah, Cooper Rush. I, I always liked him a lot too. Um, I, I always liked him as a good quarterback, uh, underrated quarterback prospect at Central Michigan. But um, you know, yeah, you, you know, you had a point. The guy doesn't know how to lose. By the way, uh, I Nick Mullins is on the Minnesota Vikings. He's we're playing nice. them next week. <laughs> oh, oh, oh shit! Yeah. Uh, yeah. And there, there yeah, goes. Think, and, and, yeah, and they're, they're, they're not gonna they're not gonna do that ahead of that. Well, even if they did, he I was gonna plant the seed that we were gonna you know conspire to say, oh my god, look at Kirk Cousins. I don't know, he didn't look all right to me, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I guess all we have to do is plant plant a, a good local spotter in uh in you know in, in the game, and then just have them pull the trigger. That's <laughs> uh, it. All right, that's gonna have to be it. The next time we talk to you on Thursday, we'll talk Vikings Dolphins. I promise. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the five hour energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HE Travel at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One time use only, not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HE Travel to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.